We are continuing in our journey through the Gospel of Luke. We're at the last part of chapter number 20 today. And as we enter into this passage of Scripture to look at what uh, the Word has for us, let me start off by asking you a question or making an observation. Would you agree with me that we are living in what might be known as the information age? No longer do you have to memorize anything. You can just Google it, right? I mean, whatever it is. I love this. And, and, and what's so funny about it is that I don't know if you've done this yet or not. This is really, really helps you out when you're watching a movie or watching a show or whatever. My wife and I often have this conversation. Who is that actress or actor? We've seen them in something else. Who are they? Right? Have you ever, any, anybody else with me? You with me? Okay. So what do you do? You just reach over and you grab your phone, right? Some of you remember when those things used to hang on the wall, don't you? Right? 60-foot cord to get you around the house, get all tangled up in, right? Remember that? Uh, you could take your phone and you just Google it. And you just kind of put in it. And you don't have to know their name. You just have to know the name of the, of the show you're watching or the movie. You just put in cast of whoever and then they come up and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember and all that stuff. Information age we live in. But on top of that, sometimes, would you agree with me that being in this information age can be a little frustrating? You ever have information overload, right? And it seems like it's been so crazy over these past few years that the one thing you look up, you look up for an answer on one side of the issue, and then there's something contradicting that on another side of the issue, and then you've got so a third party complaining about both of the issues. You know, it's like you can't figure out what's going on, you can't get all the information you want, and it drives us crazy. And so the question that we ask ourselves, and you may have asked yourself, and I've asked myself this, who do we listen to? How in the world do we navigate through all of this? And it's not just in our world, the things that we're dealing with today in our world. It also deals with our spiritual lives. It also deals with, with uh, what the Bible says and, and what we're supposed to do uh, with what it says. And so in a roundabout way today within our text, I want to bring us to this core thought. Now, Jesus really isn't addressing this. I think it's kind of a secondhand thing, but have you ever gone to a portion of Scripture and you've read the portion of Scripture and, and this isn't sacrilegious or wrong, and you said, why is that here, right? Oh, none of you. You're also spiritual. All right. Only your pastor asked those questions, not you. That's okay. No problem. Well, today, not you, but me, said, why is this here? What is this all about? It's really a weird text that, quite honestly, if you don't pre preach expository like we're doing going through the text, you would never touch this passage of Scripture. But guess what? I got to stress over it all week. It's been wonderful. So anyways, let's look at what's going on. We know that Jesus is in his last week of ministry. He's been walking through uh, or been in the temple teaching. Uh, this is probably one whole day worth of uh, teaching that he's done. While he's been teaching, he's been harassed, for lack of a better term, from the uh, chief priests, elders, and scribes, and, and the, the Pharisees, and some spies they had. And then on top of that, the Sadducees, who we haven't even seen in Luke's gospel, decided to get in on it. And they questioned Jesus three times, and three times. And I would just, I hope that there's videotape in heaven. Don't you? 
I just want to see this. I would love to see Jesus put these guys in their place. I would just love to see their, their faces. We ended last week with the Sadducees kind of just walking off, not saying anything, not daring to question, question him uh, again, kind of walking away with their tails between their legs. And now we come to this passage of Scripture here where if I didn't know the character of Jesus, I would think he was getting back at them a little bit. <laughs> I would think, because what he does here is now Jesus offers them a question. He offers them a question, kind of a little bit of a riddle is what he, what he does here, trying to, to kind of put them in this place. But he's not really, so listen, I, I want you to understand that in, in my flesh and whatever, I'm like, get him, Jesus, get him, right? But that's really not what Jesus is doing because it's not really part of his character. But what he is doing here is he's teaching us something very, very important. And when we get through this here, we're going to see in a secondary way uh, something very important to us. So let's journey through this really quick. And we see here in verse number 41, Jesus is speaking now. And it says, but he said to them, so Jesus then, the Sadducees, the chief priests, elders, all of them were still around the group. They had kind of fallen back behind all the crowd that was there, but he's still teaching. And he says, let me ask you something. How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of the Psalms that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? Now, we read that and we kind of go, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense. If you'll allow me, I want to read this out of the New Living Translation. They kind of add some words in that kind of clarify saying the same thing. It'll be on the screen for you, next screen there. It says, then Jesus presented them with a question. Why is it, he asked, that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And then he concludes with this, and here's really the question or the riddle, if you will. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? If David calls him Lord, you wouldn't, you wouldn't address your son as Lord there. How does that happen? Well, we need to understand, again, the culture a little bit, too. In that day, it was very common for them, a very common phrase that they use is that if you were to talk about the Messiah coming or who would the Messiah be, their answer would be he would be a son of David because he was going to take over the kingly line, the son of David. That was their normal statement. And Jesus, using that terminology, using their common phrase, phraseology there, turns that on them and plays uh, on them a little bit with this, trying to get them to see, and what he's trying to get them to see is that he is the genuine and true Messiah, because he does come through the lines of David, both on his father and mother's side. But he quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, uh, in this verse, the Lord says to, to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemy your footstool. This is David speaking, talking to the Lord about this. And what was interesting was, is this was a very special psalm to the religious leaders. This was a prophetic psalm for them, and they taught, rightfully so, that this passage of Scripture was talking about the Messiah, and that the Messiah was going to come from the Davidic line. So, he's, so Jesus is paralleling, and basically what he's saying is, you guys teach 
right? This is your teaching. This is what you say that the Messiah is going to be a son of David. This is what you teach. Yep, that's what we teach. That's, that's exactly right. We're there. Well, then how in the world can David call the Messiah Lord if he's his son? And the, the question is, they were only looking in the physical. Jesus is talking about the spiritual and the physical uh, in this. And so what is Jesus talking about here? What is he referring to in this? And this is so important for us to understand. He says, how is the Messiah both the Lord of David and David uh, and the son of David at the exact same time? And the reality is what Jesus is talking about here is his deity. Jesus is proving to them in their vernacular in the way that they used and the way that they talked that he was 100% God and 100% man at the exact same time you say pastor tell me how that works ain't got no idea (laughs) all right only God can do that right you with me okay if I can figure out God we don't have a big God amen okay so I I don't know To me, my math says that's 200%, but God says it's 100%, and I'm going to go with God because He knows better than I do. And I probably got C's in math anyway, so I'm not going to really worry about that. So what he's saying here literally is this. He's saying, the way that David can call me Lord is because before I was born, when he was referring to me in the flesh, before I was physically born, I was God. And after I was born, I was God too. I'm not saying that that changed. I'm saying the fact of the matter is that David realized that he was God and always is God and always will be God. In other words, can I put it to you this way? If anybody ever tells you that Jesus was just a man or the fact that Jesus never claimed to be God, here he did. Right here. In their terminology, what they understood, how he was talking, using their words, using the way that they talked, he claimed that he was God enrobed in human flesh. In other words, he was the Savior of the world. He was telling them, I am God. Without, it, without the misunderstanding whatsoever, he totally claimed that he was God. And so Jesus has done this other places as well, but here before the Pharisees, here before the religious rulers, he claimed he was God, which what would they say to that? They would say it's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. You can't claim that. But he did because he was. And he lays it out. So we're going to come back to that in just a moment here because Jesus says this to them and says to them, how is this supposed to be? And he doesn't allow them to answer the question. I just love that about Jesus. It's like, here's the question. I'm not going to let you answer. You think about it yourself, you try to figure it out because whatever you're going to say is going to be wrong. And they really didn't want to answer the question because if they did, they would have to proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah. So Jesus, in the very next breath, after laying this out to them, in a very loud voice, the scripture tells us, verse number 45, (laughs) I love how it says it, and in the hearing of all the people, you know what that means? That means he was loud. You know, that means there's a crowd around, he doesn't have a microphone, right? And he just says it as loud as he possibly can because he wants those in the very back of the room to hear it as well. And he says, and in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes 
and loved greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. You ever ready to eat and someone just wants to pray for a long time? Just call him a scribe. Okay? Just prayed for a long, long time. Jesus says, listen now, they will receive the greater condemnation. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he says literally, he says, beware of these scribes. Can I put it in terms maybe for us to understand? This is really what he's saying. Beware of false teachers. Beware of those that know how to play the game but are lying. Beware of those who look good but teach false truths because that's what the scribes were doing. And he goes through this list. I love this. He goes through it. I can imagine there's scribes standing right there and he's looking at the scribes as he says it and he goes, yeah, don't listen to those who walk around in long, long robes. <laughs> See, yeah. Uh, those who know how to win and influence people. Remember the spies that tried to flatter them? They know how to use the right language, right words, all that kind of stuff. These guys know how to say these flowery words. Or can I put it this way? They can make anything sound Christian. Have you heard that? They can make anything sound right when it's wrong. They have a silver tongue. Know how to flatter people. They're willing to sit in places of prominence and play the role of a pastor, if you will, for our terminology. And know how to do it and look well and taking the place of honors at feasts and things like that. They make themselves look very spiritual before others. And the whole time, he says here, the whole time, they're cheating widows out of their inheritance. They're stealing from people. They're doing shifty things. They're making themselves rich by exploiting the weakest among you. He says, stay away from them. So what Jesus is telling them here is saying, don't listen to them. Don't look at what they have. Don't look at the, the prestige they have. Don't look at the things they have and, then, and the things that they say. As a matter of fact, what he's saying is saying, don't stay away from them. But more importantly, what he's saying is this, don't become like them. Don't look at them. Don't envy them. Don't try to emulate them. Don't do what they do because literally they are heretics. Literally they are liars. Literally they are pawns of the devil. Do not fall for the trap of false teachers. And I love that Jesus puts this in here because we as humans, we have a tendency to do this, don't we? We have a tendency to look at people and, look, and put them in a category and classify them and, and elevate them up, put them on a pedestal. Can I tell you, every person that I've ever lifted up to a pedestal has fallen because man falls all the time. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't, don't do that. Don't put them up there. They're tools of the devil. 
And while he's saying this, I'm reminded again that in the day and age that we live in, Jesus tells us that as the days get closer to the return of the Son of God, that the spirit of Antichrist will be alive and well in today's society. That there will be many who will look like sheep, but will actually be wolves in sheep's clothing. And we need to make sure that we know and understand what is being taught. Listen, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more and more you need to know what this book says. Period. Because there are many the Bible talks about the tribulation period being so uh, deceptive and so horrible that even the, the elect, the Bible says, even those who are believers who are actually saved could be deceived. And I believe we are in the precursors of all of that right now today. I, th- I think that we're seeing a great deception, being uh, the wool being pulled over our eyes, and we need to be careful with that. And so I think what he is telling them here is that we need to have discernment we need to be discernment listen everything that we read everything that we hear everything that we see listen to me very carefully goes through the filter of God's word always always I don't care who the speaker is I don't care who the teacher is I don't know care who the preacher is there are many men that I uh, elevate to being great speakers and great teachers of the word of God there are many men and, and women that that fill pulpits that are absolute tools of the devil but at the end of the day what God says trumps all of them all of them and we must know what the word of God says it's funny to me, there's this terminology that's been around for years, maybe you have heard it, but I think it's becoming more prevalent today. It's called new revelation. Have you heard this terminology? God is giving me new revelation. I'm getting a word from God. He's telling me something. I want you to hear what God is saying, something brand new, something wonderful, something more than what the scriptures are saying. And it drives me crazy every time I hear that I laugh about it every single time. And the reason is, is that, um, let me start with this. I have more than enough to worry about in what God has already given me, <laughs> let alone to worry about something new, right? And the bottom line is, is this, God has completed the scriptures has given us what we need to have and what we need to know. Focus on it. Don't worry about what others are saying is new out there. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Every single new revelation that I have ever looked at, that anybody has ever said, has been false and has been a lie and does not align with the Scripture. Because this is how cunning Satan is. Listen to me very carefully. This is how cunning Satan is. All that has to happen to make a statement false is to change one word. One word, that's all you have to do. It can sound as Christian as you want it to sound. It sounds so good, so theological, so intelligent, all this kind of stuff. And you listen to it and one word changes in there and it totally changes the doctrinal teaching of the word of God. And you, listen, you need to know the Bible well enough that you are not deceived by the lies of those that are out today. It's not enough for you just to sit underneath my teaching and, 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 and what you get here. You need to know the Word. You need to know 
the Bible. And this is really what I think Jesus is coming to in this whole passage. This is Jesus laying out his deity, laying out who he is. And so the primary reason I believe Jesus is doing this is this, first and foremost. I think Jesus is making sure at this point he's going to the cross. <laughs> you get it? You see, Jesus has already humiliated all the other people. And they're so stinking mad they want to grab him and kill him right there. But what are they afraid of? They're afraid of the people. And the reason why they're afraid of the, the people is because Jesus has been teaching these teachings and has kind of put them in their place, but he hasn't said anything that has been wrong. Even though the Pharisees have tried to trick him and the chief priests and them tried to trick him, he hasn't said anything wrong to upset the people, except now he has claimed to be God in front of all the crowd, in front of all the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, all the people he has claimed to be God enrobed in human flesh. And for them, that was enough for them to cry out blasphemy. And that was a, pu a punishment that was punishable by death. And Jesus knew it. Why do I think that's what Jesus was doing? Because Jesus says, I lay down my life. No one takes it. I willingly lay it down. And so, even though God's sovereignty and God's plan is for him to go through uh, uh, to the cross, Jesus working through the system there, I think, honestly, he made it easier for him to go to the cross, which just boggles my mind, the grace of God, the love of Jesus for us for that. But I think secondary here, and I think for us today, what can we take home today with us for, for our lives is this. I think Jesus is also making the point that He is God, and He is the one we listen to. He and only He. Don't listen to the scribes. Don't listen to the religious rulers who, who in this day have gotten everything all mixed up, all messed up. Now, I'm not saying you can't listen to your favorite preacher, which is probably me. Oh, uh, doesn't, doesn't mean you can't read good authors. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying that you make sure and you check everything with the Word of God. Never take anything at face value. What does the Bible say? What does God have? It trumps everything else. That must be our foundation. And church, we must know the Word in the day and age that we are living in. We must. Why? Because as I started out, I was talking about all this information. You know what? All the information that comes, there's good information, there's bad information, but all of it is confusing at times, isn't it? And if we don't know the Word of God, then we don't know what's true. And you can Google anything on your computer today, and you can find any teaching you want to find on any passage of Scripture you want to find. So you better know the truth. You better know the truth. You need to know God's Word. You need to apply it into your life. You need to live it out. And as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord, we must live by this mantra. Paul put it in Romans chapter 3. Let God be true and every man a liar. Meaning this, God's not calling everybody a liar. He's saying, my truth the Word of God truth supersedes every other truth. 
And if you're going to make it through this world today, if you're going to make it through what's going on in the world today, you must know it and you must apply it. So if I can encourage you, if I can challenge you with this last slide today, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and follow Him. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus and follow Him, you will navigate successfully this wicked, wicked world. We started off talking about the lighthouse, God's Word being a light unto our path. Do you know it? Do you know what it says? Do you know its principles? Can you see the lie because you know so well the Word of God? If we don't, we have an enemy like a roaring lion, the Bible says. Willing and ready and able and excited to pick every one of us out. To knock us off to the side, to make us worthless for God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And follow him. Will you stand with me in God's house today? God, you are so good to us. And I thank you and praise you for the truth of your word. Oh God, in the world that we live in today, we need a beacon of light and that is you. Lord, help us to be able to sift through all the garbage and the junk that is out there. And let us know your word and apply it to our lives and live the way that you'd have us to live. Thank you that you are God, enrobed in human flesh, to come to the cross, to die, to pay the price for our sins, that we might have eternity with you. Now, Lord, I pray, help us to walk in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna